When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. If you're new to the podcast, you might not know that I'm a big fan of tea shops. I tend to do a lot of work at cafes as I'm one of those people who enjoys the quiet bustle of others meeting, sipping warm drinks, and reading. I'm always on the lookout for new spots hither and yon, and when I find a place that I like, I go back and work there often. So it was that I found myself in a cafe that at first glance didn't seem very special. It was in a row of ordinary shops, nestled between a shipping store and a noodle restaurant, but I had an odd number of positive reviews about the tea, so I stepped in to give it a try. The interior was bathed in warm light, with table lamps and cozy chairs. That looked promising. I stood in line and scanned the tea menu. One in particular caught my eye, poet tea. I recognized some of the ingredients and thought it looked good. A few minutes later, I took a steaming cup to a table that wobbled slightly, and a chair that had been worn by many other bums before me. I took out my computer, and as it turned on, I took a sip of tea. Warmth of cinnamon and ginger spread across my tongue, and the words quietly began to come out of my mouth. Hope is a thing with feathers that perches on the soul, and sings a tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard, and sore must be the storm. That could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Emily Dickinson. Huh. The first story is told by Milbury Birch, an award winning, internationally known performer and recording artist, as well as monologist, playwright, and teacher of her craft. This is her telling a story written by Jane Yolen, and you must listen quite carefully, because many of the characters don't. In the story, The King's Dragon. There was once a soldier who had fought long and hard for his king. He had been wounded in the war and sent home for a rest. Up and one, up and two, he marched down the long dusty road using a crutch. He was a member of the Royal Dragoons. His red and gold uniform was dirty and torn. And in the air of the winter's day, his breath plumed out before him like a cloud. Hop and one, hop and two, wounded or not, he marched with a proud step. For the royal dragoons were the finest soldiers in the land, and they always obeyed orders. After a bit, he came upon a small village. House after house nestled together in a line. Just a place to stop for the night, thought the dragoon to himself. He hopped in one, hopped in two, up to the door of the very first house. He blew the dust from his uniform and polished the medals on his chest with his sleeve till they clinked together and shone like small suns. Then he knocked on the door with his crutch. 
Now that first house belonged to a widow who was slightly deaf. When she finally heard the sound of his knock, she called out in a timid voice, Who is there? The soldier puffed out his chest and struck his crutch smartly on the ground. I'm a royal dragoon, he said, and I'm tired and hungry and would very much like to come in. The woman began to shake. A royal dragon, she cried, for she had not heard him clearly. I did not know the king had one. But if it is a dragon indeed and hungry besides, I certainly do not want him in here, for he will eat up all I have. (gasps) And me as well. She so frightened herself that she threw her apron up over her head and called out, Go away! Then weeping and wailing, she ran out of her back door to her neighbor's home. The royal dragoon did not see her leave. But as she had told him to go, go he did. For the royal dragoons are the finest soldiers in the land, and they always obey orders. Hop and one, hop and two, he marched to the second house and knocked on the door. He stood at attention, his chest puffed out, and in the cold wintry air, his breath plumed out before him like a cloud. Now that second house belonged to the widow's father, and he, poor man, was nearly blind. He listened to his daughter's story, and when the knock came, the two of them crept up to the window. She had her apron over her head, and he could see no further than his nose. They peered out, and all they saw was the great plume of breath coming from the soldier's nose. See, it is a dragon, and he's breathing smoke. Who is there? called the old man in a timid voice. I'm a royal dragoon, said the soldier, and as he spoke even more clouds streamed from his mouth. I'm tired and hungry and would very much like to come in. Go away, cried the old man. No one is here. Then he and his daughter ran out the back way to the neighbor's house, weeping as they went. The royal dragoon did not see them go, but as he had been told to leave, leave he did, for the royal dragoons are the finest soldiers in the land, and they always obey orders. Up and one, up and two. He marched to the third house and knocked on the door. He stood at attention, his chest puffed out, and saluted so smartly that his medals clinked together. Now the third house belonged to the mayor, and a very smart young mayor he was. He could see perfectly well, he could hear perfectly well, and when the widow and her father finished their story, the mayor said, Just listen to that! I hear the dragon scales clinking and clanking together. He must be terribly hungry and ready to pounce. So the mayor called out the door, Wait, Sir Dragon! Then the mayor and the widow and the widow's father ran out the back. They called together all the other people in the town. Then without even taking time to gather their belongings, they ran and ran as fast as they could until they came to the mountains where a very real dragon lived. When it came out, and ate them all up, not a one of them was surprised. They were already convinced of dragons, you see. As for the royal dragoon, he stood waiting at attention in front of the third house for a very long time. He may still be standing there. For the royal dragoons are the finest soldiers in the land, and they always obey orders. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Bossus and Philemon Family Counselors from the sweet couple that wrote the bestseller 
Growing Together, How to Be Generous with the Gods and Each Other, comes a counseling service that will help you and your family live a long and happy life. They offer classes in hospitality, kindness, and supporting a long-lasting connection, as well as group, couple, and individual counseling for those who have angered the gods or just each other. They also offer a spring retreat for couples at their temple. Emotional and literal sacrifice required. Bosses and Philemon Family Counselors. Grow together all the days of your lives. This episode is also brought to you by the new Patreon supporters, Ellie and Cece. Now, Ellie is actually a beautiful tropical bird with purple feathers who sings songs that Cece dances to. Cece, besides being a dancer, is also quite the adventurer who is known by her pink clothes and is willing to help anyone, animal or human, who might be in need. Both are generous supporters of the arts, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. If you'd like to hear me make up facts about you, then maybe you should become a supporter too. It would be pretty cool. Each sip of tea brought back poems that I had long thought forgotten. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. Robert Frost. Will you walk into my parlor, said the spider to a fly. Tis the prettiest little parlor that you ever did spy. The way into my parlor is up a winding stair, and I have many pretty things to show when you get there. Oh, no, 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 said the little fly. To ask me is in vain, for who goes up that winding stair shall ne'er come down again. Mary Howitt. The spoiled brat cut a hole in her hat. The spoiled brat put a coat on the cat. The spoiled brat got into a spat about whether a rodent's a mouse or a rat. Shell Silverstein. Beautiful and fragrant, the words on my tongue and the taste of the tea. I enjoyed the cup and realized I had to be heading home for the rest of my day. The computer had sat idle through sips of tea and whispered poems. I found my head was clear and my stomach calm. How lovely. As I stood to gather my things, I watched a young man walk through the door. He had a worried, tight look on his face, carried a pile of papers in his hands, and was looking at his phone as he came to the counter. He scanned the menu of tea between texts, and as I passed him by, I quietly said, Try the poet tea. It's good for clearing the head. He ordered a cup, and I walked out the door, smiling with a spring in my step. The second teller for this episode is Nora Dooley, storyteller as well as educator, critically acclaimed children's author and creator of Stories Live. She is the founder of Mass Mouth and the Greater Boston Story Slam series. This is her telling, The Two Pine Cones. The Two Pine Cones. Oh, it was long ago. It was so long ago that if you shivered in the winter then, you would not be shivering in the cold and dark now. It was a long time ago, and there was a traveler who was far from his home and far from any town, and he was looking for a place to stay before nightfall and the coming snow. His road brought him by two houses that were close to one another. There, an old man and an old widow woman were neighbors. 
but a boarder was all they had in common. The old man was such a miser. He was as rich as you can imagine, but he was so crotchety and vinegary, he lived all by himself, and he never had any guests, for none could stand his company. The old widow woman was generous, and she was poor, but she was merry, and although she lived alone, her door was always open to her many friends. The traveler, being from distant parts, traveled right past the widow's small house, thinking that there would be more at the larger house than where there would be more. He thought surely there would be more to share. The traveler stood on the fine porch of the large house and knocked long and loud. Finally, the door split open just a crack, and a bit of light and a harsh voice pierced the gloomy dusk. Who are you and what do you want? The old miser man squinted from behind his door and looked the traveler up and down. The traveler stood tall in his thin, worn clothing. A pack was over his shoulder and his hat was in his hands. His white hair blew in the restless wind. May I spend the night here? asked the traveler. I'm far from home and I have no place for shelter. Piffle, said the old man. You look like you don't have any home. The traveler replied to this in a mild voice. If you feed me and let me sleep here, I will give you a special gift. The old man laughed, but it was a terrible sound, not like a laugh at all. It sounded like a, a cat with its tail caught in a closing door and, and ended with a coughing fit. <laughs> you give me a gift? The traveler looked into the old man's eyes and held his gaze for a moment, and he pulled a pine cone out from his pack. This would be your gift. This pine cone would bring you good luck with the first task you choose to do tomorrow, which will be the shortest day. Choose well. All you may gain will be multiplied. Your losses likewise. Oh, really? said the old man. What is that supposed to mean? I mean, what if I'm eating pie, for example? Would that be multiplied? Or, oh, or collecting debts, for example, or, or counting money? Anything you choose, said the stranger, just so that it is your will to do it. Oh, well then wait right here, said the old man, and he went into his kitchen and pulled the old blanket out from underneath his dog. He collected up some stale bread crusts and a cracked bowl of sour milk. Here, these are for you, he said. You can sleep on my porch. There's a bench. The traveler smiled again and handed the pine cone to the old man. His smile was a sad sort of smile, and he thanked the man for the food and the blanket. Clutching the pine cone, the old miser slammed his door, and he went to bed dreaming of counting bags of money. While the traveler tossed and turned, trying to find comfort on that porch in the blowing snow. Now that it was fully dark, he could see a square of yellow light through the storm that came from the house next door. The old widow woman who lived next to that crank, that miser, why, she was up knitting and humming to herself. With the wind howling so, it took her a while to realize that someone was at her door. But when at last she heard the knocking, she threw open her front door and saw the shaking, icy, traveling man. She led him right to her fire, talking all around his shivering silence. Well now, oh my here, come in, you must be frozen to death. Here now, get right by my fire while I stir it up and get you a warm drink and... Oh, what else? Oh dear, hmm? Well, whatever were you doing out on a night like...
like this one. Oh, well, never mind. You're in now. And the old woman put a heated soapstone at the traveler's feet and wrapped her own bed quilt around him. After some warm milk with honey and a slab of oat bread, the traveler stopped shaking enough, and his smile added light to a room, and finally he found his voice, and he spoke. He said, May I spend the night here? I am far from home, and I have no place to stay. Indeed, said the old woman. Where else might you go on a night like this? You're not going out into that again. The traveler said, If you feed me and let me sleep here, I will give you a special gift. Oh, now, now, enough of that, said the old woman. I don't need anything. But the traveler interrupted her, and he brought out another pine cone from his bag. This pine cone will bring you good luck with the first task you choose to do tomorrow. It is the shortest day tomorrow. Choose well. All you would gain will be multiplied. Your losses likewise. Well, thank you, said the old woman, and the weary traveler closed his eyes and rocked to sleep. This is certainly peculiar, thought the old woman, as she readied herself for bed. That pine cone looks quite ordinary, she thought, but it's amusing to think of a plan anyway. She pictured herself milking her cow all day. Yes, she thought, and with the extra milk, I could make some cheese. And with the cheese going to market and and selling it, I could buy every good thing to eat and drink for a winter feast. What a party I can have for my friends. The next morning dawned sparkling and clear. Oh, the snow had stopped, and the sun lit a world as cold and beautiful as a diamond. The traveler was trudging through the knee-deep drifts of snow as soon as the sun rose. But in his bed, the old miser man popped open his eyes and began chanting to himself, Count money, count money, count money, yeah. He was in the middle of dressing when a sound stopped him right in his tracks, what did he hear? Children? Sledding? Laughing? Playing? Oh, he was sure of it. There must be children on his hill again, playing in the new snow. Oh, he'd see to that. Still in his long underwear, the old miser turned to his nightstand, took his pitcher of water, and threw open the window and hollered, Hey, you! Stay off of my land! and he threw the water at the children, ending in a loud sneeze. Achoo! When the miser turned to finish getting dressed, he was surprised to see that another pitcher, just as full as the first one, was on his nightstand, and the one in his hand had, had disappeared. And, well, since he still heard children, he went right again to that window, and he hollered, Hey, you! Stay off of my land! He threw the water, and he ended in a loud, Achoo! The old man's bellowing woke up the old widow woman, who saw her kettle on a roaring fire. Her quilt had been neatly folded, and the pine cone was on top. But the traveling man, he was nowhere to be seen. Oh, well, thought the old woman to herself. Remember, milk the cow, milk the cow, milk the cow. She muttered to herself as she got ready for her day, and just as she was fully dressed, there was a frantic knocking at her door, and a young neighbor woman, with her baby bundled in her arms, burst in. Thank goodness you're here, she said. Oh, 
the baby, he has a fever and he needs medicine, but, but we haven't any cash money. I, I wanted, well, I needed to ask, well, I wondered if you could... The old woman nodded her head understandingly and pointed to her bag as she turned to pick up her milking pails. My purse is right over there and you'll find what you need. Oh, no, said the young mother. I couldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. Oh, dear, thought the old woman to herself. And she turned away from her pails instead to her bag and she pulled out her purse and threw her purse to the table and all her coins spilled out. Here, she said, take what you need. The young woman clutched up some coins, thanked her earnestly, and left in a rush. At last, thought the old woman, murmuring, the cow, the cow, the cow, as she turned for her pails. Meanwhile, the old man was ready with his plan. Those children are gone, he thought. Now I'll count money for the whole day. But as he turned to finish dressing, he felt himself pulled to his nightstand, where there was another fresh pitcher of water. He stumbled against his will to the window, and he roared, Hey, you, stay off my land! Splash! Achoo! Well, over and over, throughout breakfast, and then through lunch, and long after the children had left, and still in his long underwear, well into the lengthening shadows of the day, the old man barked and blustered, and finally he whispered, Hey, yo, stay off of my land, as he splashed water out his window on an empty hill and sneezed up <gasps> into his empty yard. Well, next door, at the woman's house, there was a thud and a musical jangling and jingling. You could hear her cow lowing in its stall. She never did get to pick up her milking pails that morning. You could hear her tired but amused voice saying over and over, Here, take what you need. She'd pick up her bag, always find her purse. It would fly and crash open. It was always full of coins, which now covered the tabletop, rolled everywhere under furniture into her fireplace. Each time she turned, she found another full purse. At sundown, both houses were suddenly silent. The old miser stopped in his window. His pitcher stayed in his hand. Oh, He changed his wet clothes and... He lit a roaring fire and achoo, he set a pile of handkerchiefs next to his bed and achoo, he fell into his bed. Ah, he couldn't move. He couldn't speak. Not even a whisper. Not even to complain to himself over his bad luck. But he could achoo, sneeze. And the old widow woman? She spent that entire night sorting stacking and counting her money and planning the party of her life. Oh, everyone came to that party. Well, uh, not the miser. He was still in bed with a cold, but she sent him some soup anyway. <laughs> what a party it was. Everybody ate and drank and sang and they danced all night. I do believe they're dancing still. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. 
Show the love. Find Millbury Birch and Nora Dooley on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find me and the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor is David Thompson. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story seed by Laura Packer. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking her up on social media. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you'd be willing to go write a review on iTunes, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And if you tune in, you will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket and to this day Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea the fly and the moth that got away if you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight and if you listen really closely you can even hear the festive music from the royal court